Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal and some that aren't, I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Hesslin, Rothenberg, Farley, and Mercedes. On this week's Miranda Warnings, we're very happy to have Michael Miller, the 121st president of the New York State Bar Association, back on Miranda Warnings. Welcome, President Miller. Thank you, David. It's great to be back. And it's great to have you. Michael, we're here to talk about uh, the federal government shutdown. You, as president of the New York State Bar Association, has been a, have been a forceful advocate on behalf of the federal judiciary and the courts during this federal shutdown. Uh, tell us a little bit about why it's so important that uh, we raise the issue of the federal judiciary during this, cut, during this shutdown. Well, of course, it's more than just the federal judiciary, but that is of keen importance to us and to our 70,774 members. But by now, we've all heard the government shutdown horror stories, 800,000 federal employees furloughed, uh, another 1.2 million contract workers that... uh, Uh, Unlike those who are furloughed, even when the shutdown is over, they will not uh, get get their uh, pay, uh, their back pay. Um, People are going to food pantries, FBI agents and their families, Coast Guard uh, personnel and their families visiting food pantries and soup kitchens to help help get by. Uh, Nutrition and housing programs are are running out of uh, funding and uh, food inspections by the FDA and the Department of Agriculture have been suspended. So it, it's certainly much more than than the federal judiciary. It's a national embarrassment and a disgrace. And um, I submit that the government shutdown has now become a constitutional crisis as the federal courts across the country have been forced to cut back operations severely and in some cases shut down entirely. It, it, it's just a, a gross dereliction of duty to have allowed a political fight to escalate to the point that the rule of law is um, undermined and essential parts of our judicial system, the judiciary, a co-equal branch of government, unable to to serve the American people effectively. Now, um, I think as you outlined, I mean, we have heard about the uh, atrocities that are occurring for many um, members of our uh, federal government uh, employees who are now uh, forced to seek, you know, food from, uh, from food lines and uh, who are not getting paid. And we, we have a, a number of, of stories regarding that. But uh, you, you, as president of the Bar Association, have talked about the impact on the courts and the rule of law and the uh, judiciary. And that's something that we haven't heard a lot about. Uh, our court system, obviously, is integral to uh, our, our democratic society here, and the rule of law is integral to that. And when our court systems are down... Uh, the the our society uh, is harmed, and so tell us a little bit about how the courts and uh, even the ancillary relation to the courts, immigration system, probation system, 
um, have been impacted uh, by this uh, federal shutdown? Well, the federal, you know, there's a, a public safety aspect to the shutdown as it impacts the federal courts. A lot of people don't realize that the federal courts supervise approximately 250,000 probationers and defendants awaiting trial. The shutdown diminishes the number of pretrial service and, uh, and probation officers who are normally available to supervise and, and support probation, uh, probationers that are released into the community. Uh, this, this uh, we fear, will have a, 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 a public safety, uh, 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 it's certainly a public safety concern, as it will impact the quality of supervision of accused pretrial defendants who are released on bail. And... Um, it, 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 we, we feel it um, appropriate for the Bar Association uh, to, to speak out on this, and, and we had a, a resolution calling for an immediate end to the shutdown uh, and for the President and Congress to ensure that the federal judiciary has resources to meet its constitutional duties. And um, we will be making a similar resolution next week at the House of Delegates meeting of the American Bar Association. You know, our court system, the third branch of government, should not be subject to the vagaries of a political battle. It should not be subject to politics. And the, our judiciary gets a tiny fraction of the federal budget Two-tenths of one percent of the federal budget is devoted to our judiciary. It, 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 it's really a, a very small part of the budget, but it is absolutely critical, essential, fundamental to the rule of law, that people have confidence in our, in our judiciary, in our court system. Yes, absolutely. And that's why in our Constitution, it specifically provides that uh, certainly the compensation for judges uh, may not be uh, diminished uh, during their terms, which uh, leads to a very interesting, uh, interesting point, which is uh, the judges uh, are not constitutionally permitted to have their uh, pay cut. But what about the people around them? Uh, I mean, it could be argued that uh, that would certainly uh, amount to a diminishment of our, our judiciary when you cut the pay of uh, every other uh, employee uh, in the court system. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, the, you know, you, you asked before the, about the impact. Well, the, the federal government is a party to innumerable cases in, in the federal court. <laughs> the Department of Justice uh, has asked that all matters in which the Department of Justice is involved be stayed, be frozen, because they don't have sufficient staff to meet their responsibilities as litigants. So 
all civil matters have been stayed involving the federal government. Now, what will this do ultimately? Uh, the, those When the shutdown is over, those matters will, will go forward, but the, the backlog will also impact the administration of justice. The quality of, of justice is impacted dramatically by this. It is absolutely unacceptable. It is unacceptable. And, you know, I think the burden is a little bit uh, even heavier on New York courts, as, as you're certainly well aware, that New York courts, especially in the federal system, are amongst the most congested courts in the country. And so uh, when there's uh, additional backlogs on, a, on courts like New York has, there's additional burdens because we are already overburdened with uh, a heavy caseload. So there's been an impact uh, already here in New York and uh, setting us back uh, quite a bit. And I think it, it, affects, uh, it affects New York. As you know, New York is often uh, a location for uh, international disputes, uh, because of its uh, steady and well-regarded judiciary. And uh, if you can't get uh, a matter resolved in a court in New York, then maybe some of these international disputes would, would go uh, elsewhere. And I think both short-term and long-term, that's going to have an impact on our, on our economy. Well, on our economy, on the public confidence in, in our uh, in our government, on the international uh, view of America. I mean, this is an embarrassment. It's a disgrace. There's an economic summit going on in Davos, Switzerland, and American representatives are not there. Members of our government are not there because of the shutdown. We are the center of the economic world, of the financial world, and we are not at an international summit on economics. This is a disgrace. Yes, it is. And you've, you've called it a, a dereliction of duty um, in your statements uh, regarding this. Um, and, you know, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about who's responsible uh, for, uh, for, this, uh, for this shutdown. Um, but the, I think the point is, certainly not to... Certainly not the judiciary. Uh, Certainly not the judiciary. And we all, all of us lawyers, as well as the President of the United States and the members of Congress, have taken an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. To preserve, protect, and defend. We are destroying the integrity of the judiciary by allowing this to go on. And, and, those, and those, those elected officials who are negotiating or not negotiating are responsible. They will be held accountable. Well, let's talk about uh, about some of the co actions that you've taken. Uh, you've been an outspoken uh, advocate uh, with respect to uh, this shutdown and its impact on the judiciary. And you know, some might say, "Well, you know, the bar association is supposed to be nonpartisan; they shouldn't be getting 
involved in this type of thing. Uh, tell us why you think it's important that the Bar Association and Bar leaders speak out regarding this. Well, I, I believe that it is our responsibility to speak out. This is not a partisan issue. This is a, a, a fundamental constitutional crisis. Um, Martin Luther King commented that we begin to die when we fail to speak out about things that matter. This matters. This matters. Yes, this sir. shutdown matters profoundly. So it is appropriate that the Bar Association and we lawyers speak out about the shutdown and the devastating impact that it's having on the lives of so many Americans, as well as the judiciary. We've also, you know, one of the issues that that have been has been discussed is the issue of immigration. Certainly, uh, that's kind of the uh, one of the fundamental reasons why we're we're uh, at odds here in our federal government on uh, the funding. Um, but uh, it, it seems that our immigration issues are now escalating because of this shutdown because we're not getting. Uh, people that have been detained uh, to have their time in court, uh, and we're having a backlog of uh, thousands of uh, people that have been detained at the border that now are really being held in limbo. They can't, uh, they can't uh, be moved back into uh, society. They can't, um, uh, they can't have a hearing on whether they belong no, to the stay process, here. The process has ground to a halt. I mean, this is America. This is not how America operates. This is un-American. So whether it's immigration and the hardships that those folks are, 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 are dealing with or are fine public servants, I mean, the idea that FBI agents' families are having to go to food pantries while, while the FBI agents are still required to work because they are deemed essential, but investigations can't go forward because they don't have the funds to pay their, their, uh, their, their informants uh, or, or, or witnesses. It, it, it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. This is a crisis, the likes of which we have not seen in this country. Now, you mentioned before that uh, the Department of Justice has sent around a request to the courts that uh, their matters be stayed pending this uh, shutdown. But I know that there's at least one federal judge that issued an order that said uh, no, uh, that uh, matters involving the U.S. government will not be stayed that uh, this is an internal matter that uh, needs to be resolved by the U.S. government, and, and that judge is going to treat these matters like uh, an internal dispute for a corporation. Uh, they need to do what they need to do to make sure that uh, their attorneys are ready and able to uh, appear in court. And although most of the courts, I think, have gone along with it, this one has said, no, that there won't be a stay, 
um, that there, the U.S. government will be expected to uh, continue to pursue it. And what happens if uh, nobody is around to do that, then we'll have uh, matters uh, that the U.S. government uh, will potentially be in default of, uh, which is just, uh, you know, a horrible position to be in. Well, perhaps. Uh, and if they're in default, will, will those defaults uh, be appealed? And how will an appeals court uh, handle uh, those matters? It, 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 can the can the government attorneys be expected to effectively advocate their positions if the staff upon whom they rely for support in all sorts of ways are, are not there, they're not available. They've been furloughed. They've been sent home. Some of them are contract workers. More more contract workers have been sent home than, than, than the furloughed uh, uh, federal employees, 1.2 million contract workers in every conceivable area of government. That can include part-time secretaries, that can include part-time investigators. Uh, um, How can they be expected to do their job without... The, the minimal resources that are necessary in order to do the job. Right. Well, they can't. And, you know, in the past, uh, we've had shutdowns that have been for a few days or, or a week or two. And uh, we've managed to get through it because uh, uh, many people have continued working and they just man- they just got paid a little bit later. Um, this one, which has gone over a month now, uh, is starting to have real impacts. I mean, we've been talking about the courts, but it's having an impact on on the country, uh, on the country's economy. Uh, we're looking at uh, predictions now for this quarter for there to be zero growth uh, in a time in which we would otherwise have had some small growth. And so this is something, this dispute is something that's not going to just go away when it gets resolved. We're going to be paying for uh, this conduct uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year and perhaps beyond. Well, I think that, you know, there, there's not much to say uh, in response to that. It, yes, of course. It, it, it's, it's dreadful. You know, one might wonder how the court has uh, continued to operate over the last several weeks, um, um, you know, since the shutdown began. I was chatting with a a court administrator last week at the annual meeting of the New York State Bar Association, and I asked that very question. And I was um, informed that because there had been three shutdowns over the last couple of years, court administrators were, um, uh, in a sense, they were ready. Um, They had set aside some funds and had uh, contingency plans in place that could um, keep the court operating for a few weeks. We're past a few weeks now. The court fees and the small surpluses that they had set aside are no longer available. Right. We are go- if this goes on any longer, we are going to see 
a real shutdown of the court system. Well, that's an interesting it's an interesting point, uh, Michael. You know, the court system does have a contingency plan. I don't think not for planning for not being funded, but if, for example, if there was uh, a tremendous epidemic uh, in a particular region where they wouldn't be yes. able to show up for work, uh, what would you do? And they have a contingency plan for that, where you might be able to operate via video. Um, and so, uh, and now they're, they're dusting off those, uh, you know, disaster plans for something that was completely, you know, would come completely out of the blue. You'd have no way of, of knowing that this, uh, an epidemic was coming. And now we're dusting off those plans, uh, for this emergency that's been totally, totally created by us. Uh, where judges, if the courts are shut down, judges might have to operate via video from from their homes, because we're going to have. I mean, civil proceedings will probably be on hold, but we'll have we'll have to potentially address uh, you know important criminal matters, uh, and uh, we're going to this disaster plan very soon. Yeah, we're we're in uncharted waters. Yes, we are. Yes, and we. And that's why, and that's why the New York State Bar Association is speaking out as strongly as we possibly can to see to it that our courts are funded. And I think that we will want to um, develop a, a plan so that in the in the event that there are future shutdowns or other uh, similar um, situations, that the courts have a, a separate funding from the rest of the, of the, of the government. Uh, it, it should not, uh, you know, and it, it's, it, it, it's really, when you think about it, it, it the, way we, the way we fund government is, is um, pretty peculiar. You know, the, the Defense Department has its budget through the year. But the Coast Guard is not part of the Defense Department. It's part of Homeland Security. So the Coast Guard doesn't have the resources to do its vital work. One of the reasons that this shutdown is occurring is because uh, of an alleged uh, uh, security uh, uh, concerns. Well, it's, it's pretty dangerous if the Coast Guard is unable to interdict ships on, on, on the seas. It's, it's pretty dangerous. And the idea that families here on the mainland who rely on the direct deposit of the, of the salaries of the Coast Guard uh, members who are, who are out at sea are going to, to, again, I keep harping on it, the idea that these families... Their, their, their breadwinners are public servants, and they're going to bread lines. They're going to soup kitchens. They're going to food pantries. And yesterday I saw an amazing, horrible, horrible interview with a woman whose husband is a public servant, and she is undergoing chemotherapy. And she's having to decide between food for the family or covering the 
chemotherapy, that covering the chemotherapy costs that are not covered by insurance. This is America. This is un-American. Michael, as a leader of the New York State Bar Association, I know that you've been in touch with the courts uh, to uh, work with them and to provide uh, assistance wherever we can. Is there anything that the, the Bar Association or the legal profession can do uh, in, this, uh, in this difficult time to assist? Well, we can do... What any, what any citizens can do, uh, donate to your local food pantry that, uh, that uh, uh, is uh, um, stretched beyond uh, beyond its 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 uh, capabilities now. Well, Michael, that, that's Michael, certainly one thing in terms of of of, of uh, our ability to assist in you know in this matter we're doing what we can we are we are making our voice heard as loudly as we possibly can to the powers that be letting them know that this is absolutely unacceptable Yes, Michael, as president of the New York State Bar Association, you have uh, used all of your resources to uh, to advocate on behalf of uh, the judiciary, uh, the federal court system, and the rule of law uh, for the entire uh, nation, and it's certainly uh, been resounding and, and appreciated. Uh, we here at uh, Miranda Warnings, this is obviously a very difficult time and a difficult topic, but we do have a, a lighter segment, which is uh, movie, book, or music, which um, perhaps you can give us uh, a music, book, or movie that um, might highlight uh, some of the things that uh, we're talking about here today. I think, I think if I'm going to, if you were to ask me about a, a film, I would say Failsafe would be. <laughs> a, a, a good example. There's really nothing. The reason I hesitate, you know, there, there, there were no. You can't make a joke about this. It's not. There's nothing lighthearted about it. This is really dangerous territory. This is a fundamental attack on the rule of law, in my view. Because if people can't rely on their, on 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 the judicial system. I mean, that's the jewel in the crown for crying out loud. If they can't rely on the, on the, on the judicial system, um, that's a very slippery slope. Yes, it is. Uh, and we certainly appreciate the attention that uh, the New York State Bar Association is is bringing to this. We look forward to your continued advocacy. And uh, we thank you, President Miller, for appearing on uh, Miranda Warnings to talk about this very important topic. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. This has been the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal, and some that aren't.